Hello everybody, welcome to the garden. Uh, I'm TJ and this is the very first episode of 2020. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about dwarf tomatoes, um, dwarf jade blue corn, gold nugget squash, basically a bunch of smaller plants intended for smaller gardeners. But before we get into that, I just wanted to kind of let some folks know if you've seen a few of the other episodes I posted last year, uh, some of those are probably going away. Um, the interviews will stay. I'll just edit some stuff around them so they make a little more sense. But I'm pivoting full bore into gardening with kids and garden-based learning. Uh, it's what I do for a living. I'm a garden educator, and I have two beautiful daughters who I will be teaching practically every subject I can help with uh, through my garden. So it's a topic I have a little bit of knowledge about, I have a little bit of experience in, and it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. So uh, going forward, these episodes will focus on giving you guys activities you can do with kids in the garden, uh, helping kids work around their limitations in the garden. You know, uh, tiny seeds are sometimes hard for tiny hands. Some plants are just not best suited to working with kids, that sort of thing. Um, tools, tips with the tools that you can use with kids, uh, ways to make all that work out better for you. And basically just giving, you know, parents and grandparents Something to do with their kids in the weekend, uh, homeschoolers, giving them some tips and tricks for how to use their garden best to help with the education they're already providing, and teachers and other educators helping them basically have ideas they can hopefully develop into better curriculum and ideas. There are a lot of amazing uh, school garden programs out there right now. I've actually recently become aware of several out of Texas. Uh, there's one right here in California, not too far from me. There's, of course, a program I already work for. Um, there's another program in town that does a similar thing, um, and they're all great. Uh, so they Some of them are a little more limited than others. Some of them don't have the funding they should. But the, the sad side is there are a lot of school gardens out there that are failing or have already failed. Um, not everybody does as good as the Bronx Green Machine or the Green Bronx Machine. I can't remember exactly how that one works out. Uh, it's an amazing program. If you haven't heard about it, I'll put a link in the show notes to a TED Talk uh, they gave about it. it's it's amazing but not everybody's that successful um and so i want to help especially teachers and educators but homeschoolers are teachers and educators and in truth anybody raising children is engaged in teaching and education to some degree and a garden is a great tool for that you can use a garden to teach practically any subject it helps kids become familiar with different and more unusual foods so they're a little less likely to reject a food just because it looks different to them or weird. Um, and it's just generally good for kids to be outside, get fresh air, work with things, get a little dirt under their fingernails, get a little exposure to the outside world because we will, I mean, things aren't going backwards with technology. You know, uh, everybody complains about how much screen time everybody has, but that's just going to increase. Uh, we're going to have more and more devices in our lives, more and more access to technology and information. Uh, the future only goes one way and it's going that way. And so this gives them a chance to have a little break from that, but also to bring that in there because you can use amazing amounts of technology in the garden. We're going to touch on that this year too. So I hope you guys will stay tuned. That's what I'm focusing on in 2020. Um, it should be easy for me to keep on track because like I said, I have two daughters and I'm already a garden educator for a living. So this is something that I'm always going to have something to say about. <laughs> And so hopefully this season will be a little less chaotic than the first season. So with that all out of the way, uh, let's get started on dwarf plants. So real quick, what is a dwarf plant? Um, a dwarf plant is 
not easily defined because we use the term dwarf to basically mean any plant that is smaller than we would expect a member of that type to really be. Um, this can be for a variety of reasons. Some people might call prostrate plants dwarf because they stay low to the ground, even though some of those can actually encompass an area every bit as large as um, the standard growth pattern of that plant. If they grow in a prostrate manner, and prostrate just means grows flat on the ground. Um, any plant you see where, you know, there's one form that grows into, say, a bush, and then there's another version of it that grows completely flat on the ground as a ground cover. The ground cover version is the prostrate version. So with prostrate plants, some people might call that a dwarf. Um, there are varieties of plants that are just smaller. There's a dwarf potato I've seen. It's it's hard to get a hold of. I actually want to get a hold of it, and I will probably be doing a show on it if I ever do more ornamental stuff. Um, it's this beautiful little dwarf potato. It produces these gorgeous little flowers, but it stays small. The, the whole plant stays very small. And so the plant as a whole is small in that case. That's a dwarf. But in a lot of crops, when we say dwarf, what we really mean is uh, the internode length is very short. And the internode is that length between where you have the leaf and the bud and the next leaf and bud. So that stem length in between leaves is shorter, which often means you get a much more compact and easy to work with plant that is still as productive as a full-size member of that species might be. Um, that's not always the case. Some of them you do take a little bit of a production hit. But in general, they're basically just the same plant, but shorter. Um, a big part of what they call the green revolution came from this. We actually bred short varieties of corn and wheat, uh, especially wheat, by hybridizing the, in the case of wheat, we used dwarf varieties of wheat from Japan and hybridized them with high yielding varieties of, from Mexico. The problem was the high yielding varieties from Mexico had very long stems that tended to break when the wind hit them. And so you could lose uh, a whole crop on a windy day. But by crossing the two, you were able to have the same yield, but in plants that were shorter, sturdier, and didn't blow over in the wind. Um, so that was that's what a large part of what was called the Green Revolution. A similar thing happened with corn. We bred more compact varieties of corn as well. In fact, you will actually be surprised if you grow a lot of more recent uh, varieties of corn, how short a lot of them are. We all often think of corn as being, you know, eight, nine, ten feet tall. A lot of modern varieties of corn are six, five, four feet tall. Um, dwarf Blue Jade, which is one of the dwarf varieties I wanted to talk about today. I grew that. That can be anywhere from three to five feet tall. And a lot of them were actually three feet tall. There were a couple of taller ones I thought were the Dwarf Blue Jade, but seed from something else had gotten mixed in. We had, we'd also grown a glass gem the year prior and a couple of those seeds got mixed in when we were planting them. So I, I, I was worried that this wasn't going to grow as directed and it turned out they totally did. I just had two different corn varieties in there, but yeah, Dwarf Blue Jade is a short compact corn. You can actually grow it in a pot. I've done it. Um, you, you're going to want to plant you know, three or four plants in the pot and you're going to get, you're going to want to give that pot a lot of fertilizer, but it is totally doable and I've done it. Um, but yeah, and it's all about those internode links, uh, dwarf tomatoes, which I did a whole interview with Craig LaHoulier. Uh, no matter what I do with the channel, I'm keeping that interview because it was great. Him and, uh, Petrina, uh, Nuske Small, I believe is how you pronounce her middle name, Nuske. Uh, Petrina Small, let's go with that. <laughs> so I don't offend anybody, but uh, they were both great. I'm keeping that interview no matter what. But they talk about the dwarf tomato project they did. Those dwarf tomatoes are four to five feet tall max. 
Um, they don't become these big sprawling monsters. You don't have to trellis them really high up. They stay nice and short and compact and easy to pick for kids. Um, and they still produce close to the same amounts of fruit that a full-size variety might produce, especially when you consider that these are mostly based on heirlooms, which traditionally aren't as high-yielding as modern hybrids. So you might not get as much as you would get if you planted a modern hybrid there, but you're definitely going to get as much as you would get if you planted an heirloom variety there. So that's kind of handy when working with kids. Um, another thing is they're also working on a lot of micro-dwarf tomatoes. Now, I just actually found out that Tomatoville... Uh, which was a big place where Craig coordinated the Dwarf Tomato Project. It's also where a lot of the work on micro dwarfs has been going on. That is actually closing, which is really sad. I hope the development continues, though, because those micro dwarfs are really interesting. They are very small um, dwarf determinant types. So they are, you know, little tiny tufts of green that produce a ton of tomatoes for their size, um, all in one big flush, and then they die. Uh, so they're not long-lived. You're not going to have a whole season out of them. But you can plant them in succession, and you can plant them in small, you know, five-gallon or less pots and still get a pretty good yield. You can use the same kind of pots that you'd have on your patio with little ornamentals. You can grow a tomato plant in there and get a decent yield. Um, the cherry types are the more popular right now, but there are varieties that produce uh, beefsteaks and other larger types. So that's definitely something to keep on the lookout for. Um, another thing is there are, they're not really dwarfs, but there are a lot of small compact peppers. Uh, pepper plants in general aren't very big. They tend to be about the same size as a dwarf tomato. There are varieties that will get big, and sometimes you'll just get a freak plant that grows huge. Uh, folks across the street from me have a jalapeno. They've overwintered for, I want to say three years now, because peppers can be perennial if you overwinter them, especially here in California. And they've managed to keep it alive for a couple of years at least. And it's huge. It's six feet tall. Um, big bushy thing. Produces a ton of peppers for them every year. So pepper plants are also another small variety. Um, one I actually found out recently is gold nugget squash. Gold nugget squash is really cool to me. They stay about the size of a of a zucchini plant or similar. They they don't they aren't the big sprawling squash, right? They they stay nice and compact, so it's a big tuft of foliage, but they produce these kind of people have compared the flavor to like a sweet potato. That's kind of what they were bred to replace in in zones that have short seasons and can't grow sweet potato. Uh, but it's a sweet potato consistency and flavor of, uh, in the flesh, but they look like little pumpkins. Um so it's a great way to kind of get your pumpkins in. You you won't really be using them as jack-o'-lanterns necessarily, but uh, they're good for eating, <laughs> and so you can actually get a bunch of little pumpkins in on a very small plant. Um, another fun dwarf variety floating around are dwarf peas. Uh, now, you wouldn't think you'd really need dwarf peas because you can actually grow peas in pretty small areas, but the advantage with dwarf peas, especially if you're planting in beds, um, they're all obviously things like the, uh, I want to say it's the Tom Thumb pea. Uh, it, they're very tiny, and they, they go really well in little pots, but... The really cool thing is you can plant these very densely in a flower bed or garden bed and get a pretty high yield in a pretty small place. And they stay nice and short and they would make a really great uh, sort of ground cover in an otherwise ornamental bed. You could you could basically, in all the areas in between your ornamental flowers, it would normally be just flat, boring garden soil. Uh, you could pack those in with dwarf pea types, which will form a nice ground cover and you'll get peas in 
fairly large abundance. Um, and you know, it's, it's really good for kind of permaculture principles, you know, where you don't want to leave the soil bare because you want that shading and you want all the sort of microscopic and macroscopic life churning through that. Um, it's really great for that. Especially if you can get the dwarf tendril peas, the ones that don't actually have leaves, but they just have tons of tendrils. Uh, those would form a pretty dense little mat. So that's another use for dwarf plants. But yeah, so dwarf plants, really great idea for working with kids. They stay nice and compact. You can stick them anywhere, even places you wouldn't normally think you could have a garden. You could keep them in small pots on a windowsill. Um, the dwarf tomatoes only need about a five to 10 gallon bucket. The micro dwarfs can go get along with much smaller than that. And you could even squeeze in some squash. Um, so I hope that was helpful. I'll see you guys next week with another idea. If you have any questions, tips, tricks, uh, if you're especially if you're a school gardener with questions about your school garden, or you just want to share information about your school garden, I'd love to hear about them. Uh, you can reach me at 661-368-5177, or you can use the contact page on our website and shoot me an email. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great week.